today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Gearing up for hockey. I mean, come on, it's September now. Uh, training camps are going to get started pretty soon. And uh, But we want to look back a little bit, first of all, uh, to what many people consider to be one of the greatest Toronto Maple Leafs of all time. And that's a pretty illustrious list, of course, when you start talking about the uh, Ted Kennedys and the uh, the Dave Keons and, and Frank Mahovliches and Daryl Sittlers and on and on. But you've got to include Boris Salming in that discussion. And uh, he's front of mind for an awful lot of us right now because of a, a recent news about uh, the illness that he's dealing with. Uh, a fascinating piece written by author Steve Smith about uh, he's Steve, of course, is the author of, of Puckstruck, Distracted, Delighted, and Distressed by Canada's Hockey Obsession. And he's also the founder of Puckstruck.com, a hockey history blog. Uh, Join us here at the Bill Kelly Show to talk about that. Stephen, thank you for the time. It's great to have you with us today. Great to be here, Bill. Thanks for having me. What with the inspiration? Was it was it the the, the, the disclosure about Salming's illness that that kind of got you looking back and saying this is you know somebody that we don't want to forget about here? It's, it's easy to get lost in the annals of hockey history because we're so hockey crazy in this country. Uh, but this is a guy who really stood out and and really came to North America almost by accident, didn't he? He did. And, and yes, this, this was, um, my article was prompted by uh, the very sad news and um, uh, of, uh, of uh, Boris Salming's diagnosis with ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, which just came to the fore uh, last month. Um, and he, it really did um, sort of, uh, for many, uh, many Leaf fans, certainly, and many uh, hockey fans, it, it, it was just a, a reminder of, of what a great talent he was and really a trailblazer, as you say, uh, in North America for um, not only for other Swedish players, but for, uh, for European players and players from all around the world. Well, let's t- tell that story because it's fascinating about how he came to the attention uh, of, of uh, well, that was Jared McNamara, who was the Leaf uh, general manager at the time. Uh, uh, we knew that there were great hockey players over there in the, in, in Russia and certainly in some of the European countries in Sweden uh, and, and Czechoslovakia, as it was called back in those days. Uh, but not too many of them crossed the ocean and, and to, to play in the National Hockey League. They just seemed to be two separate entities. Uh, right. But McNamara went over there uh, initially, I think, was to look for a goaltender, wasn't he? That's right. And just to backtrack a, a little bit, um, uh, because we are um, uh, celebrating the uh, – 1972 Summit Series. Uh, so Salming um, and, and his brother Stig uh, both played in the two games that Canada um, exhibition games that Canada played on their way to to Moscow in in uh, this month in 1972, um, and they were pretty um, pretty ill mannered, uh, I would say, to uh, politely uh, games. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, a lot of dirty play, um, and the Canadians. Uh, you know what were supposed to be sort of tune-ups for Moscow. Um, uh, they were they um, kind of created a bit of a bad feeling in in uh, Sweden, certainly. Um, but well, uh, you know, so the Salming- chemistry was just bad for that, though, wasn't it, Stephen? I mean, they'd already yeah, well, played the four games in Canada, and it did not go well for Team Canada. Uh, no. And they were there, so they went over there in a surly mood to begin with. And then, of course, as you say, uh, the Swedish team figured, okay, we're going to show these guys, and and it, it got pretty ugly in those games, didn't it? It did, and uh, Wayne Cashman notably um, had his uh, tongue uh, badly cut um, by a Swedish stick, and uh, the the Canadian ambassador, in fact, in Stockholm, um, uh, sort of disowned the Canadian team, <laughs> which was uh, not appreciated by many in Canada, and certainly by not by the players. But it did um, the one thing that it did do for Team Canada was, and a lot of the players uh, still say this, that it really um, helped their bonding. So they, they really felt after the four games in Canada, as you say, 
they really felt beleaguered and they, they had been sort of shocked in their skates uh, by the by the Soviets. Um, but the the two games in Sweden really sort of brought them together and and prepared them for what was to come in Moscow. Um, well, and then, open a few people. And open a few people's eyes to this uh, this defenseman, uh, this gangly defenseman who, uh, as you talked about, uh, was actually history. I still remember probably somebody, my friend Howard Berger, probably in Toronto, still has the newspaper article of the day these guys arrived at uh, at Pearson Airport. Uh, Inga Hamstrom and Borja Salming. Uh, it was a big deal back in those days to bring somebody over from Sweden to play, uh, especially with uh, crusty old Harold Ballard, who was the owner of the team at the time. It was kind of surprising. Uh, but that he was on side with something like this because they, they were, you know, people were always touting about how the North American players are far better than the European players. But right. this, this was a, a guy you just couldn't say no to. I mean, this, this was an incredible offer to get an incredible defenseman. And, and Inga Hammerstrom, who was a, a goal scorer, a, an elite goal scorer in Sweden, wasn't he? Yeah, that's true. And, and, uh, and uh, to go back to the, the story that um, you referenced uh, after the, the Summit Series games, um, Jerry McNamara, who was then a scout for the Leafs, uh, was, uh, you know, it's a perennial Leaf problem, as we know, and uh, going into this year, too, the Leafs are, seem always to be looking for a goaltender. And uh, so they they were in 1972. Um, so McNamara went over to Sweden, um, and he was actually going to look at a, a goaltender named Kurt Larsson, who was a Swedish national team goaltender. Uh, but when he got to Sweden, uh, Larsson was injured. So um, he was there. So he figured he would go and uh, and check out um, uh, Salming's team, which was a little north of Stockholm in a place called Gable. And um, so Salming was 22 at that time, and he was really the the, the emerging superstar of the Swedish league, um, and a little bit known in Canada then, uh, but um, but not really. And and as as you say, that there were really not uh, Europeans at all. Um, playing in the NHL, uh, Alf Sterner, who was a, uh, another um, a Swedish star, had briefly played uh, with the Rangers in the, in the 60s, um, but hadn't stuck. And so Jerry McNamara went to see uh, Salming's team play, and it was an eventful game because um, the Swedes were, um, notwithstanding that game against Team Canada, they were, they were thought of in Canada as uh, sort of uh, shy and retiring hockey players um and not rough um but in that game that McNamara saw uh Salming actually punched the referee uh got a game misconduct and Jerry McNamara uh chased him down as he was ejected from the game uh to the dressing room and said to him would you want to play in Canada and it sort of started from that so he and Hammerstrom were signed and and I just say came over at the same time yeah. Uh, and this was groundbreaking, and and you're right. I mean, the, the European hockey players were few and far between. I mean, I know St Stan Mikita comes to mind. He was born in Czechoslovakia, but he, he grew up in in Canada, of course, and played all his hockey here. So he's he's Canadian trained. Yeah. But it was unique to have this because you just wondered, is this going to be the start of, of opening the league up? And it, and it really was. But as you mentioned in the piece that I, I found fascinating, uh, he came at a very interesting time for the National Hockey League. Uh, because the World Hockey League, World Hockey Association, rather, the WHA, uh, was just getting started. Uh, players were being poached left and right, of course, getting offered an awful lot of money. And the, the kind of hockey that was being played at that time, Stephen, uh, was uh, much different from from it was back in the original six. I mean, hockey's a tough game and a rough game. 
but fighting the the Broad Street bullies, uh, the 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 fisticuffs and 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 stick swinging. It was, it was a pretty ugly time to be on a hockey rink, and and here's Salming and, and Hamstrom coming into this league, uh, and, and he, tough guys, both of them at the same time. But it was a much different personality, a different kind of league, wasn't it? Very much so, and and uh, it really was a watershed, um, as you say, the the WHA. Um, really uh, brought, um, you know, opened up uh, hockey in North America because there were suddenly two leagues, um, rival leagues, um, uh, you know, they needed players. And the WHA was much um, more open to looking abroad. And so uh, the NHL started to, to as much as to, um, in the beginning, to sort of outflank the, their rivals in the WHA, they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll look abroad too. Um, so Salming and, and Hammerstrom um, definitely come over, came over uh, um, in that kind of context, um, but they were obviously stars too. Um, Harold Ballard, as you, as you say, um, was an unlikely person to be hiring these two Swedes because he was um, pretty, uh, uh, I would say, xenophobic, um, <laughs> as those who remember him will, uh, will recall. Um, and um, he was the one who said uh, his own player, and he was famous for criticizing, you know, anyone who wore the blue and white, uh, including Daryl Sittler and Lanny McDonald. Um, but he, after seeing Hammerstrom uh, play that first season in 73, he was the one who said um, Inga Hammerstrom could go into a corner uh, with a dozen eggs in his, uh, in his hockey pants and he would come out with none of them broken. Um, and... Uh, so that was a, that was unfair to, to Hammerstrom. He was a very skilled player and, and had never needed to play any other role. Um, Salming instantly uh, gained respect because he was tough. He was a very skilled um, and a beautiful player to watch um, for any who watched him in the, in those years. Um, but he was tough. And the very first game that the Leafs uh, went into to Philadelphia in 73 um the flyers the broad street bullies as you say um you know were were openly threatening uh the swedish players and saying that they were going to go after them and um and salming stood up to them that game and then and he gained respect uh and um he challenged uh uh i think it was bill flett um who was not one of the the um uh you know more prominent uh uh, rough flyers, but he he stood up to him and he gained that respect, and so he he really did gain a, a reputation early on as both uh, talented and tough. Why did that happen, though, Stephen? In hindsight, uh, you're right. I mean, and it wasn't just the flyers, although they they made a, a career of guys like you know Bob Kelly and and Bobby Clark and and, and some other guys there that that just went after this guy relentlessly. Is it because it's like the new kid on in, in the schoolyard? You got to pick on him and just see what he's made of. Because Salmi had a reputation as a tough guy in Sweden, and as you say, right. he didn't back down. But that didn't stop them. They kept going after him. That's true, and it, I think it was the it was the time and and within uh, the more specific hockey context, the Swedes really. Uh, had a reputation um, whenever Canada went to world championships, for example, um, you know, from the 50s onward, uh, they, um, they thought that the, the Swedes were dirty. And there was this kind of uh, uh, mindset that Swedish, Swedish players were dirty. And then the 72 exhibition games um, sort of reinforced that. And so 
And and then it was intimidation too, which was a big part, especially yeah. uh, in the 70s was a big part of it. So the term chicken Swede um, was one that became prominent throughout the NHL. Uh, you know, players uh, would openly and fans certainly would, would yell that at, at Salming and Hammerstrom. And uh, Salming later said um, in his memoir that after about one season of that, um, that stopped, and he didn't he didn't hear that anymore because, as I say, he had, he'd sort of proven himself. Um, but uh, but they it, there was that sort of uh, view in Canada that, that Swedish players were um, you know were not that tough. But, but I don't remember all those times we watched him play. I don't remember him fighting, uh, you know, dropping the gloves. I mean, he was tough, and he'd go yeah. into the corner, and there'd be a little bit of stick work. I mean, but that was kind of the norm in, in the National Hockey League in those days. Uh, but I guess I, I don't know what they were trying to get out of him, but I can remember one playoff game in particular in Maple Leaf Gardens where it was just relentless. And, and I mean, yeah. there was even talk about, you know, the, the, the police getting in there and, and laying charges, assault charges. It, it got pretty ugly. Uh, the right. way the Flyers went at him, but he, as you say, he stood, he stood his ground. I think the one, the Leafs won that game too, as it turned out. Uh, but as as much as these guys went after him, guys like Bobby Clark, they they had a grudging respect for him, didn't they? They did, and and he really was a, an elegant player, and uh, you know, and remember that the Leafs were uh, in the early seventies. It was only six years uh, then um, since they'd won the Stanley Cup, and so they they were. Um, you know, they weren't yet into the sort of uh, uh, barren wastelands of, of, uh, of um, the drought that was to come. Um, and uh, so they, they had some talented players uh, who he was playing with. And uh, they also had some, you know, as the teams did in, in the early 70s, reacting to uh, primarily Philadelphia's tactics, um, they teams stocked up on on tough players. So they... Um, the Leafs did have some players who would, you know, step in. And so, as you say, uh, Salming didn't do, uh, do any fighting, but he, he was, he would not back down. Um, and, uh, and remember too, the, the respect too was because of his talent. I mean, in his rookie year, he, um, he came third in uh, voting for the Calder. Uh, Denny Potvin won that year. And he also uh, was in the running for the Norris Trophy. In his, he, as a 22-year-old, he came, I think, fourth in the voting. That, and that was a year that Bobby Orr um, won the Norris. So, you know, he instantly, he made an impact as, a, as an offensive. And, uh, and he was a good, good defensive defenseman, too. Well, you know what I remember about him, and you pointed it out in the, in the article. It kind of reminded me was shot blocking. He was excellent at hmm. that, and uh, and I didn't know I, 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 until I read the piece that you did here, Stephen. He was a goalie when he was a kid, so I guess he had no aversion for getting in front of the puck, and he did it often. Exactly. He was he was kind of fearless in that way, and um, and I I still remember I was a kid in the seventies watching the Leafs, and uh, I remember his um, you know lanky. Um, uh, strides out of the zone but also his throwing himself in front of shots and um and that i think that again uh gained him a lot of respect um and he was uh he was a um uh roy mcgregor the great uh, hockey writer um uh covered salming in his in his prime and he had an interesting um uh view that he said that uh you know bobby orr in those years although his knees were failing him uh, fast. Um, he was the, the greatest talent of uh, that time 
But uh, Roy McGregor thought that Salming was probably the greatest reflex player, that he reacted better than anyone um, uh, who played defense in the NHL at that time, which is an interesting, uh, interesting view. Uh, quite a talent. And, and as you say, in, in, in an a era in the National Hockey League when there's a lot of talent floating around and a lot of great defensemen, you mentioned yep. Potvin winning the Rookie of the Year that year and some other great defensemen. Uh, and and you know, they're all trying to, many of them, trying to emulate uh, Bobby Orr and you know, be the offensive defenseman. And oftentimes, uh, they did it at the expense of their defense. And, and that's why you, you saw a lot of the games of 7-4, to 7-5 to five games. Uh, goaltending was not the best then, and playing defense wasn't the best. But Salming uh, was able to contain that, wasn't he? He, he? he had offensive skills, to be sure. Uh, but he was very, very strong in his own end, and, and he never really gave that up. That's that's very true, and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, not, um, it's a bit of a discredited stat nowadays, but um, in terms of plus-minus, plus-minus does tell you something. And uh, Salming did uh, go on, you know, some of the Leaf teams he played on, especially in the 80s, were, um, were st- they were still in need of, of good goaltending and they were pretty defensively woeful. Um, but he, uh, overall, um, one of the many records uh, for the Leafs that Salming still holds um, is that he was second, he's second in all-time plus-minus um, after Tim Horton, uh, for uh you know for anyone who's played for the leaps and that's that's quite a credit to uh as you say to his defensive game um and uh, uh on some pretty some pretty poor leaf teams uh, that were letting in a lot of goals Stephen, I'm glad you took the time to do this. Uh, I, I read the article, by the way. It's on the the TVO.org webpage uh, where I picked it up. Uh, but it's it's great to kind of reminisce about this. I know we were all shocked and saddened when we heard the news that he's dealing with, uh, with well, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Uh, a great athlete and, and a guy who, as you mentioned, made hockey history for uh, the Leafs and to, uh, for European players. An awful lot of people that are playing the game these days uh, have Salming and Inger Hammerstrom to thank for, uh, for kind of, you know, paving that road for them. Uh, thanks so much for the time today. I really enjoyed our conversation, Stephen. Thanks, Bill. It's been great to talk. Take care. Stephen Smith, author of uh, Puckstruck, Distracted, Delighted, and Distressed by Canada's Hockey Obsession. And that pretty much includes all of us, doesn't it? The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.